brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Uh, have you ever tried to cancel a subscription after you've started one and how difficult that is? Oh, like a streaming service, perhaps? Yes. I got off Facebook a couple of years ago, the first time I was on Facebook. And when I tried to delete my account, they made you go through three different or four different pages. And at the last page, <clears throat> there was like pictures of four or five people that are friends with me on, on Facebook. And they were like, hey, don't leave. We'll miss you. And my dumb brain immediately said, oh, uh, wow, my friends are saying don't leave. And they're all the pretty people. And then I went, wait a minute. I haven't deleted my account yet. How could they know Mm -hmm. that? Oh, they just used their picture to entice me to stay on Facebook, which to me is a little evil, uh, without their consent. To say, and yes, by the way, it was all women for some reason. Maybe, Surprise. Maybe Facebook knows me better than, than uh, my wife. But mm-hmm. um, but I've done that before. They're, they've come up with some apps. FTC is working to make canceling online subscriptions easier. Anybody who's subscribed to something like that knows the frustrations of trying to break ties with somebody that uh that is that that you, they don't want you so they just keep adding the $5 or $10 to your account, right? It's I mean, you sign up for these things at one point. The money comes out of your bank account, right? But you can't figure out how it's happening exactly. Yes. So finally the Federal Trade Commission is getting involved and they're trying to pressure uh some of these companies to stop doing that, but they're also making it easier. Just like it took a couple of years to ramp up to to get that no call list going. Yeah. To, and that's really Jeez. effective. Once you get on the no call list, it really kind of works. It's worse than ever now. Oh, I know. I don't know what happened. Okay, uh, I've got a let's see. 16-year-old car, pretty sure you're not offering me a warranty. No, no, you're not. And those continue to to, to today. But my phone does it for me now. It says it won't even let the phone ring. It'll say probably a robocall, and it just goes to voicemail. Yep. So there's that. Uh, People try to repackage things and think it's it's easier to sell as, as a normal behavior. And I'm talking about a new phrase called ethical non-monogamy. What do you think that stands for? 
Ethical non-monogamy. Um, convincing yourself there's some benefit to the planet for screwing a lot of people. Swinging. It's basically oh. just swingers. Uh, so they've made a – there's a new definite uptick in couples willing to admit they practice, quote, ethical non-monogamy. That is monogamy. just – Monogamy. 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 See anemone. Phenomena. Don't, 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 don't. Monogamy. Monogamy. See anemone. M- ethical non-monogamy. So what is unethical non-monogamy? Uh, that means you don't tell your spouse about it. Oh. I would think. Or you're killing an animal. So they say couples set ground rules where stepping outside the relationship is permitted. Now, I've heard there is an uptick in that behavior, but don't try to normalize it by calling it something else but swinging. It's how a ab- swingers thing. Yeah, how about if you just want to screw a lot of people, you just don't get married? Well, that's, how about that? that's the issue. And every conversation I've had with couples that say they're thinking about doing it consensual swinging there. I'm like, look, dude, it's it will never it's it, you, you, you want to get divorced because that's where it will lead. Uh, there just are, just be single. S- yes. But some couples are like, you know what? Because if you talk to like a divorce lawyer or a therapist, they'll tell you that most divorces for families, couples that have kids are when the oldest of the children get to about sixth or seventh grade mm-hmm. because the younger kids are right behind them and they're self-efficient. They get up on their own. They, they dress themselves. They fix breakfast. They, they're going to school. They're self-efficient. They have practice after school, so you really don't see them most of the day. And at that time, it, the focus becomes other than your kids and your family. So then the couple decides, I don't think we get along anymore. I don't know if we can relate. And most divorces happen at that point. So what's happened in the last decade or so is that couples are like, I kind of like my house. I kind of like my church. Mm-hmm. I kind of like my school dynamic to where my kids are going to school, and I love hanging out with all the couples. If we get divorced, i got to move out of my house. i got to find a new group of friends to hang out with because usually you split them right. up at that point. I like my husband or my wife, right. but I also like a little strange. I'm thinking about doing something. So then – this kind of steps in to say, instead of getting divorced, let's just kind of see people on the side. Tell me about it so I know about it. But we see, and you stay married, and the kids are none aware of it. I guess if it's for you and you're happy, I'm not judging. No, 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 I'm not either. If that works for you, have at it. And I guess the danger of being single is if you just want to fool around, you're going to bump into people that don't, and they're going to want a relationship. I guess this way. If everyone just wants a little something-something on the side, yeah. I guess everybody's happy. Yeah, I read a story about someone that was going to do a revenge sex because uh, one of them had cheated. And he or she was going to get revenge sex and say, look, I'm crushed. I can't believe they cheated on me. So they went out to have an, uh, an, a little affair. But when they got to the affair, the other person said, hey, how does so-and-so feel about it? Like, do, you know, whatever. And she's, and they said, no, they don't know about it. And the person left. They said, no, 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 wait a minute. I, I, my couple, we, we, this is what we do. That's fine. He knows I'm here and all that. I, I can't be here if your spouse doesn't know that I, that we're doing this. And they left. So like, there are ground rules and stuff, I guess. I so, guess. So to me, if you go and if you open that box, Then it could be Pandora's box, which is not good. Well, here's something that might be a little related. At first I thought this is kind of silly, but then I thought, huh, this is Ken via Insta. 
All right. It's Instagram for all you non-cool yeah, people. Yeah, he wants to uh, get advice. Normally, he said, I have a pretty good sense of humor, but this one just rubbed me the wrong way. My wife and I have been together for three years and have a great life together. The other day, we were shopping with our two-year-old, and a stranger commented on how cute he was and asked, where did he get those blue eyes, since she and I have green and brown eyes, respectively? This wasn't the first time we'd been asked that, but her response of, yeah, he might not be the father, was a first. (laughs) And I didn't like it at all. In fact, it stuck with me to the point where I'm thinking about asking for a paternity test to ease my mind. Is that a bad move? Uh, this is a sticky wicket. Yeah. You get the paternity test. You don't trust her. You don't get the paternity test. You're always going to wonder if that's your child. How old's the kid? Two. Ooh, that's young enough to look. You don't have to tell her you got the pat test, do you? Um, there's a difference between your dad and your father, right? Oh, absolutely. One is the sperm donor. The other one is the person that raised you. Exactly right. And, uh, when you raise a child, I don't care that your DNA is different. That's your dad. That's your, that's your, when I'm trying to pick which one is appropriate. Your father would be the DNA. Your daddy is the one that raised you, I guess. Right? Yeah. Well, sure. Whatever. Uh, there are plenty of loser dads out there yeah, and plenty two, of stepdads that have become dads. Yeah, I don't I'm not trying to think if both my children were two years old, whether I would I wouldn't care. To tell you the truth. I've been with them long enough that I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Hold on. I, these are my children. Two two years is two years. But if it's two and then you found out that maybe the wife cheated on you and then oh, you well, had that's a, a baby. Yeah, that's a different. Story. So that's I, geez. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. I wonder how common it is to have parents with two different colored eyes, or four actually in this case, I suppose. In the right. Surplus, they're pirates. Have a blue-eyed baby. Well, the the other thing to that is all, America went and did that whole DNA testing thing, which a lot of people think that conspiracy theories is that's all the government, the twenty nine and me, or whatever that is, and and all of these thirty two skidoo, right? The the genetics testing that everyone's like, find out what your ratio is. Are you Irish? Are you really Irish or not? So all of that is just sort of a fake uh government issues t- to kind of categorize everybody and get everybody's DNA. The side issues with that is all these half-brothers and brothers that everyone's finding out they have. Right. Because you don't ask for it. They go, I think you just click on it and go, hey, anybody else match? And then you're like, hey, by the way, there's somebody that lives in Oklahoma that, that basically is almost guaranteed to be your half-brother. And he probably is curious as to what you do for a living, and do you have any money? Right. So, I mean, that's changed a lot of people's lives in the last 10 years, is these home DNA tests. Now, they also are wrong a lot, okay? And they'll tell you that they've getting better. So when you got tested 10 years ago with the, whatever these uh, programs are called, these little stick you stick up your nose, um, they'll tell you, hey, we weren't really that accurate, now we're a little bit closer to where you come from when you talk about these DNA tests. But 10 years ago, the technology wasn't as good as it is today. So if you are Ken on Insta, do you get the paternity test? Now, she's joking. Let's just say she had an affair. That's a clever way to joke, right? Yeah. Well, we always joke about this kind of stuff. He probably, yeah, it's a UPS driver, whatever. Right, milkman. milkman. It's a milkman, milkman back in the got day. in there before I did. Um, that's also me, myself, and Irene. You ever seen that one? Yes. 
Dude, that's still today one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life. I don't know why comedians can be so funny for so long and then just not. It's called woke culture. I don't know. I I think no, 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 no. He didn't go that direction before he started making crappy movies and stand up. I mean, Jim Carrey was, yeah, it's Jim Carrey, right? Yeah, yeah, it's hilarious. No, he had a, he had a string of hits. Oh, including the one where he could no, that was Mel Gibson that could read women's minds. Oh, that was hilarious. That was pretty good. But me, myself, and Irene is still go watch it today. It's hilarious. And let me tell you something. It is not politically correct. That's why it's funny. It's hilarious because of that. When he makes fun of the albino kid, I the entire scene is him making fun of the albino kid and then him picking a fight with the five-year-old in the restaurant. Are you allowed to make fun of albinos? I haven't heard them speak out. Albino Americans unite. Uh, I don't know. There's... Uh... People from Mexican descent are usually thick-skinned. They don't usually. The jokes we make, we never get hate mail. True. Um, of course, you can make fun of Italians and us Cubans at all. That's true. We don't ever say anything. Yep. That's right. Mm-hmm. Oh, Vanetti. Oh, you're spaghetti slurping. Spaghetti Vanetti. Mafia. Do you kill people? Wow, really? No, you, you have people killed. I do jokes on the radio. I don't kill people. Nope. No, I kill them with my looks. What's up? Bam! Had to add that. I know you did. I know you did. <laughs> so the, along those lines, what is the last really good comedy in recent times that you've actually laughed out loud at the movies and said that was funny? Because all the ones we talk about, the trading places of the world, the kingpins, me, myself, and Irene, not at all politically correct. Somebody's going to be offended. So now we make movies that we don't think will offend people. Are they even funny anymore? Well, all of the directors, and they are minority directors, they are um, not straight directors, okay? So they are gay or lesbian um, trans directors. They have all now come out and said, we've ruined the industry. We can't do this. There's no good movies and TV anymore unless you're going to Netflix. Netflix doesn't care. They're still, they still tend to, to do some impro- inappropriate stuff. Uh, but you, you're, they have discovered, hey, we're not funny anymore. And we're not pushing the envelope for interesting and making people think. Because that's the whole point of art is to make you think. Is this appropriate or whatever? It's yours to choose to whether it's appropriate or not. In the old days, it was, that was in poor taste. And you go, oh, sorry. Well, and, and we used to laugh at each other. At some point, you're going to make fun of me. I thought it was funny. At it some point, I, I made fun of you. And now those TV shows don't exist. I've always said it. You're, you, who you, you know you, your best friends are? The ones that make fun of you the most. Yep. I mean, they say the really mean, mean stuff. Okay? And, those, and that's where you get to the good stuff. That's where you let all your guard down and you accept everything and everyone as they are because you get to make fun of each other. But if you look at your news timeline, your news timeline is dominated. I'll go to Yahoo.com and the first 20 stories – a third of them will be someone apologizing for something they said or posted. And you go, is this where we are? Really? Got one more story for you, because you're the guy, and you talked about this, murdering lobster. Love murdering lobster. You get the lobster, you put them on the ground, and what happens? I let them try to think that they're getting away. And then right before they get to the door, I go, ha, 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 
do not do this overseas. Why? The UK government announced last Friday oh, no. that all decapod crustaceans oh, no. and cephalopod mollusks no. will be added to the animal welfare bill. Oh, gosh. This was prompted by the London School of Economic and Political Science. What in hell? They found evidence that creatures in those groups are sentient, meaning they can feel pain. Stop it. Decapod crustra- crustaceans, Tony. No. Include shrimp, lobster, yeah. crayfish, and hermit crabs. Okay. Cephalopod mollusks include squid, octopus, and cuttlefish. What? So according to the School of Economic and Political Science, who studies the pain threshold of cephalopod mollusks, I just you can't. can no longer do that. I just can't. No. No. The other way you can do it is they have a long little thin rod. And and if you get it, if you don't want to throw them in the boiling water, which makes them taste better, dog, if they were dead about five minutes ago, it's going to taste good. You can stab them in the brain with that long stick. Okay, you can do that. Now, they'll do it for you at the butcher if you want that to happen. But I'm like, no, 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 no. I want mine okay, still. Okay, enough, enough of the story. Oh, yes. Poke them in the brain and kill them. <sighs> and then I'm going to eat them. Yummity, yum, yum, yum. Yum, 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 yum. Glad I brought it up. All right, man. Short break. We'll come back. Fred Calgill will join us here in just a couple minutes, so stick around. News Radio 840 WHS. WHAS. It is time, it is indeed, for football in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Two bowl-eligible teams. Yes. Meeting for a cup. Saturday night at 7.30. I love the Saturday night kicks. I love the excitement of under the lights, just like on Friday night. We'll get to that in a moment. But first, we bring in Fred Calgill, a veteran, obviously, of Louisville, Kentucky football and high school football here in the state of uh, Kentucky. What's up, Freddie? How you doing, buddy? Hello, my friend. How are you, sir? We're doing fantastic. Uh, I've been, you know what world I'm in with Trinity and Mail. I'm friends with uh, Chris Wolf, and I, obviously I'm part of the Trinity family. Uh, so that that dynamic for tom- for Friday night, I keep thinking it's tomorrow night because I'm so excited about this game. We'll start with high school football. That that matchup, no offense to the Trinity St. X um, uh, matchups the last couple of years, but that is really the telltale for 6A the last couple of years, Fred. Yeah, no question about it. When you look back at the records, Tony, I mean, from state championship games, roughly since 2015, and Mail and Trinity have been basically the conversation uh, in that window of time, rightfully so. Two outstanding programs. Trinity certainly taking a more challenged road this year in the uh, kind of the coma, maybe a little bit, of losing uh, head coach Bob Beatty to retirement uh, and, and the new administration and all that. And Mail certainly has been hitting on all cylinders. So it, there are lots of interesting storylines going into this one. Yes. No question about it. Oh, there's no doubt. Well, Tony, as long as you brought up Trinity yeah, St. Go, X. Go ahead. And since you Catholics got the Rolling Stones date canceled. Oh, that's not true. For your half-empty stadium. That's not true. Fred Calgill, is it time to move that rivalry out of Cardinal Stadium? Fred doesn't have a stake in it. Fred, you can't. You don't have an opinion. We, have a, we have a nice soccer stadium that would do <laughs> swimmingly for that. Well, that. I think the question, frankly, leaving emotions out of it, I mean, you have to ask yourself a simple question. What do you want? Yeah. I mean, before you start saying, 
you know, and the ego of, of you know, having a, a 60,000 seat stadium or not or whatever. I mean, I would want the best atmosphere I could get. And so then, okay, if, if you want that, then the next question is how many people are you really drawing to this kind of game? And I think an honest appraisal of it would say, you know, 17,000 to 25,000 would be a fair range, give yeah. or take. Yeah. And, and so if that's true, is there a place, a venue that might be even a little smaller? that would make that the most coveted ticket in town and and be smaller in a positive way to raise the atmosphere. Because sometimes I think in Cardinal Stadium, the game gets swallowed up. A it's lost. High. Yeah, it gets lost. A little bit. So let's say just throwing a fun thing out, for example, like the soccer stadium. Yeah. If you did it there, the, the emotions, the, the sound level, the intensity would be, frankly, off the charts. From a, from a fan of the game standpoint and not taking sides at all, I would prefer to see it there because I think it makes it more fun because I do think the game sometimes does get lost in the bigger venue. Taking nothing away from the importance of it or should it be played at, at you know a, a major college stadium or not, I don't think any of those are the points. Uh, again, the, the point to me is if I'm Trinity or I'm CNX, I want the best atmosphere and venue and fun possible uh, in a really, you know, one of the nation's best rivalries. So, you know, in Texas, which is obviously a massive uh, high school football state, they do build stadiums exactly for this purpose, and the general footprint is about fifteen to 20,000 people, which for obviously for high school football is huge. So if, if that's really – now, Lynn Family Stadium, I'm guessing, would hold maybe about 13,000 max in yeah. that solar system. Yeah, in, in that so, area, yeah, and not a bad yeah. seat in the whole place. It's the perfect oh, answer. Yeah. Plus, half the owners are either Trinity or St. X guy on that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, that's kind of where I'm going with this thing. So maybe yeah. I would float the idea, let's do it one year as an experiment. Right. No obligations. The conversation, you know, it's already, Fred, it's already being had, and I think that I think we're all – we're on the right track there. Now, Trinity is doing renovations to their stadium, including a jumbo screen, which is going in before next year. So, yeah, uh, yeah they're, 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 they're expanding the stadium and putting a jumbo screen in. So it's, it's going to be ready for uh, some of these big – look, they're, they're moving into the next era of high school football, which is television and all that kind of stuff. So sure. they're ready for that. Uh, the other one is Madison Central and St. X. And tell you the truth, uh, St. X is, is uh, uh, talent-wise better than Trinity this year, so it's Mail and St. X probably in the state championship game, which will be at Commonwealth Stadium. Uh, St. X should take care of Madison Central. That's a 6 o'clock tip, by the way, on Friday night, not 7 or 7.30. Yeah, I mean, it's not a foregone conclusion that Mail wins. I mean, Trinity's defense has really jumped up. Right. I think the big difference and, you know, after starting the season, I think 0-6, for them to rally the troops, kind of like Baby did years ago, uh, done it with defense. And, uh, you know, frankly, they look faster. They look like a different defense. And, look, I, I've been out with, you know, a busted leg, so I've been watching from the sidelines, so to speak, but I'm bummed. Uh, but <laughs> I, I, I see all the highlights, and, I you know, I, I kind of have kept on the pulse of all this, and I like what I see from Trinity. You, you want a team playing its best football at the right time of year, and I think Mayo and Trinity are both doing that. I mean, Mayo – its offense has been unbelievable. Its defense even better, giving up, I think, less than a touchdown a game average. So, uh, Mail is certainly the one to beat, but it's not out of the realm of possibility that Trinity wins. I really believe, you know, as, as cliche as this is going to sound, I go back to Mail with the chip on the shoulder. I mean, it, they are few, first of all, they beat Trinity once in the regular season when Trinity wasn't playing so well, now playing much better. But I just think Mail is fueled by that chip on the shoulder mm-hmm. that, you know, 
they remember last year and all the other times that Trinity has, you know, rubbed their noses in it and, and beaten them and won state championships and males had to suck it up. And so I think the difference more so than simply the nuts and bolts and, you know, the X's and O's is going to be the, the fact that male and Chris certainly remember and you have that bad taste in your mouth and you never forget. I think that's going to put them over the top. Fred, Tony and I remember probably seven, eight years ago on the underdogs, it was easy to poke the bear. UK, UFL going at each other, three hours of fun. And then probably five years ago or so, that started to wane. And it became like pulling teeth to get people on each other with the rivalry. Governor's Cup is coming up. Uh, Has the rivalry changed forever? It just doesn't Mm. seem, it doesn't seem like it was not that long ago. That's a really good question, Dave. Um, Yes. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I, like anything else in life, things evolve. And, you know, you adapt or, you know, you don't survive. And I think early on, obviously, it was so unique. You know, it goes back to Sam Newton and Howard Schnellenberger. We were all there. And, and those guys floating the idea and Howard begging and giving a one-way contract to U.K. And what we've seen out of that is enormously improved high school football as a body of work. I mean, the, the level of high school football, and frankly, both programs, college, of LNK, have in, as a body of work dramatically improved when this conversation first began. And now, you know, frankly, I'm not sure how much longer this really goes. Uh, and not because it's not, you know, interesting or uh, worth having and all those other things, but because of the pressure with television and leagues and SEC TV and all, you know, ACC TV, you know, the league, I think, is going to go, the league, all of them, major ones, Power Five, are going to go to nine-game conference schedules. And I really think that may eventually eliminate this game from Kentucky schedule or Louisville, whoever goes first. I'm thinking more Kentucky than Louisville, uh, taking the sides in this thing. I think that'd be a shame, but I think it's the reality of what's going on. So when you look at it that way, and this may be one of the last ones probably, I mean, the odds are certainly, if I were betting, I'd be betting that this this is not going to last forever. So it's something to be enjoyed and reveled in. I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. Oh, no, uh, Fred, everything's changed in the last six weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, at last, six weeks ago, I was like, there's, no, there's nobody going to be in that damn stadium. And now I'm thinking it could be uh, it, not an empty seat with uh, how much blue gets in, depending on that, Fred. But everything has switched in the last six weeks. This is a coin flip game. That's fair uh, in a lot of ways. I mean, Louisville's offense – I think Louisville's very underrated, and I've said that all year, back even in the dark times when things were really going wrong. I mean, you think of all the near misses uh, and how, and I said this at the halfway point of the season, it's up to Louisville now. Are they going to, you know, feel sorry for themselves and get their butts kicked the second half? Are they going to look? The kids didn't quit. They didn't quit. They didn't then see, and that's where I'm going with this. They, uh, and it's a credit to Coach Satterfield and the staff. They, they invested in these guys, and they obviously have relationships which, you know, when things go wrong and the bolts are flying, you find out what you're made of. And I'm really impressed with what Louisville's done in the second half and found themselves and found, you know, what they were lacking in terms of closing the deal in the first half. So uh, it's, it's Louisville's offense against Kentucky's defense. Kentucky's had an incredible season. I mean, it's, uh, I love their running game. I love their offensive line, and I love some of their defense. I think their secondary has some question marks and something maybe Louisville could take advantage of. But I really think it's and statistically, it's hard to argue. I mean, it's Louisville's offense against Kentucky's defense, taking nothing away from Kentucky's offense, which at times has been outstanding. At times has been somewhat challenged, but I love Chris Rodriguez. I mean, I'd give him the ball, except, you know, obviously he's had challenges at times holding out of the football, but boy, he is tough to stop. I mean, against Tennessee, he was running all over the balls like I mean, they weren't even there. So um, I think it's going to be a really fun game and come down to the last possession. I was asked my opinion a couple of times already, and I said 28-21 cards. And they're like, why? I'm like, well, I like teams that trend in the right direction. 
And I love the upside of Louisville and what it's been doing. I always look for the horse that has yet to run its best race when I'm handicapping. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, I, I used to bet all the races because I just love it so much. Now I'm down to betting a couple a day. And I look for that horse. Who's the horse that still has gas in the tank to raise his game on the next race? Maybe he hasn't run his best buyer yet. He's looking for that best buyer in this race, which is a speed rating horse for, for horse racing nuts uh, or for non-horse racing nuts. So I think Louisville has yet to run its best race. And Kentucky maybe has, maybe not. Um, not and, but they're at a great level. I mean, I'm not knocking them at all. But if you force me to wager in a game that, you know, anybody can win, I'd probably take Louisville, which I think right now is a one-point favorite last I saw. Or have you guys mm-hmm. seen something different? It was two, yeah. It was two yesterday, but I'm, I'm sure that, that line's moving, Fred. I'm sure. And, Fred, as long as you brought up horses, I'm going to get you on the record on November the 23rd, 2021. Is there a horse to keep an eye on this far out for the Kentucky oh, Derby? Geez, Dave. Good questions. Uh, I would say there are a couple of backward horses, uh, which automatically brings up, you know, what's going to happen to them, because right now there's a two-year ban from Bob at Churchill Downs for yeah. Medina Spirit, the uh, Medina uh, Spirit testing positive, the Derby winner for um, for, for a drug, positive drug test. So, uh so I hesitate because, frankly, like Churchill just put out its first future book, and those horses aren't even listed. So, you know, will he lose them to other trainers so those those owners can take them to the Derby? And will they even survive the winter? Baffert um, has the Breeders' Cup Juvenile winner uh, and and a really good horse that came out of uh, a Grade Three Stakes win uh, about three weeks ago. But I'm not sure where this goes from here. So, frankly, navigating this landscape right now is very challenged. Uh, and I'm not sure if I were in Vegas betting a future book where I would go uh, with this. I mean, because I think those horses will probably see the light of day eventually. But, I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting journey of the next two months about where this goes. So, frankly, I don't know. And more and more we're really seeing, you know, horses that seem to be the favorites, while they may be there for the Derby, don't necessarily win the Derby. So... I'm really hesitating right now more than maybe I have in modern times. No, no. I, I hear you. Yeah, I'll leave you with this. Uh, credit to you earlier in the season when everyone thought L was going to camp it in. You, one of your first breaks when you came back from injury was that you, I think you were in the end zone at L and you said these kids have a choice. Everyone else had thought the kids were just going to quit and they're going to finish out the season with two or three wins. You did say they could turn this around. I don't think many people thought that, and they did. So credit to you, Fred Calgill, for that one. Uh, Fred, Fred Calgill, WLKY, great work. We'll talk to you soon, brother. All right, guys. Great talking. Happy Thanksgiving. See you, man. Thank you, you Fred. You too, buddy. Thanks.